This is the toughest weekend of the year. And um, when you're talking about conference championship losses, there's really nothing as a coach. When you win a win this game and go to the Super Bowl and lose it, it's devastating. I think it, in some respects, it is difficult to get closer to the sun and then you get burned and you don't win it. But when you don't make the Super Bowl, there's something very uh, high achieving about making the Super Bowl, even if you don't win it. Losing the conference championship games may be the worst. So we're going to talk about this weekend, the Lions having the big lead, losing to San Francisco. Um, Baltimore showing up flat. Two different ways that these teams lost the games, and we're going to get into it on this edition of the Landry Football Podcast, part of the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, reminder, you want the more detailed breakdowns from inside the film room, we've got more details for you at LandryFootball.com. Check it out today. Take advantage of our holiday savings special that we've got going for you, LandryFootball.com. You can try out for, for a month. It's less than $10 a month. You can Take a look at the six-month package, which is cheaper than the um, monthly package. And the best deal we have is the holiday savings special, LandryFootball.com. Uh, if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com because it gives you college football and NFL from a playing, coaching, scouting, and front office perspective. LandryFootball.com. You're going to absolutely love it. So it was, um, we're going to start in reverse, and the Lions lost to the Niners in the great second half by the Niners. But the uh, the collapse of the Lions, there's no other way to put it. And uh, it, uh, to me, when I looked at this game, and I think that the Lions coaching staff looked at it much the same way, the Niners had more weapons. They, they were at home. They've been the more complete team all year long. I think the Lions have gotten to this point because they're a great team. They play well together, the team. They came out emptying the entire bucket early. We're going to go ahead and throw haymakers, and we're going to get on top of it early, and we're going to have a chance, uh, give ourselves the best chance. And uh, they got the big lead, 24 7 lead at halftime. Could have been even bigger than that, um, but they couldn't close it out. We talk about it all the time. It's important to get off to a good start, but getting off to a good start doesn't win you the game. You have to finish, and championship games at this level are won in the fourth quarter, and they had, look, everyone's going to focus on some decisions, so let's get into it. Kicking a field goal on fourth and goal from the San Francisco three, 10 seconds left in the second quarter. Um, had a 21-7 lead. They faced a fourth and goal from the San Francisco three-yard line. Short field goal would have given Detroit a three-score lead going into halftime, but a touchdown might have ended the game or at least put it significantly out of reach. Uh, decision uh, would have been more difficult if it had been on the one- or two-yard line. It was the right decision. I thought it was too risky. You're coming away with no points. You kick the field goal and extend the lead to 17. The fact that, to me, they even considered it was an indication 
of where the mindset is with Dan Campbell and this Lions team to be hyper-aggressive. That was the right decision. One of the reasons um, the decision made a lot of sense is that when teams usually go for it and forth and go, there's an added benefit of pinning their opponent deep into disadvantageous spot. But at the end of the half, that was not the case. I mean, you're talking about giving a team a life. They gave it life. Uh, getting three points was a safe decision, and it was the right way to go. Forget about analytics and stuff. I don't focus on analytics in the general sense. As I always said, analytics that takes into account what everybody does at all times is not useful analytics. What is useful is what works for you and what works against a certain opponent. Um, the second decision. Going for it on fourth and two from the San Francisco 28. Um, 7.03 left in the third quarter. After the Niners scored a field goal on their first drive in the second half, the Lions moved the ball right back down the field after a few nice runs by David Montgomery. Detroit quickly found itself in scoring position but was stopped on third down after an Amara St. Brown run. This was the most difficult decision Campbell faced all game. Uh kick a 45-yard field goal to get the lead back to 17 or try to convert and move the ball in the red zone. Campbell stayed true to who he is, opted to stay aggressive, and it should have worked. Golf found Josh Reynolds on a shallow route, but Reynolds dropped the ball. The play call was good. The throw was accurate. But the pass was dropped. The fourth down drop by Reynolds caused a, um, a shift in momentum, kicking the field goal. And it depends upon how confident you are in making a field goal of that length. And it's certainly within range. 45 yards is not a problem. The conditions were not difficult to achieve that. Here's the issue with this. It's who he is. It's who they are. And it's fine to go for it and execute it and try to put a team away. I, I, I get that. And for him and for them, it's probably the right call. For me, I'm taking the three points. And again, let me remind you that if you go for it in fourth down, if you miss a field goal, those are the same thing as turnovers. It's just like fumble, just like an interception. They're, turn they're turnovers. Um, if they miss a field goal, it's bad. You miss the two point, uh, miss the miss the fourth down conversion. It's bad. If you make the three points, here's what more than just the three points, which is big. It's puts you up 17, three possessions. But what it does, it keeps the momentum where it is. The one issue in the risk involved, and there's risk involved with it, is when you don't make it, miss the field goal, you don't make the fourth down conversion, you give life, you breathe life in the momentum bucket for the opposing team that doesn't have it. So it was an issue. So are we talking about the decision? Yes. But you got to execute. And this is what they've done so well all year long in these situations. And, boy, were they good on third down in the first half. <clears throat> the third decision people talk about, go for it on fourth and three from the San Francisco 30. 7.32 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, after drops by Reynolds, the 49ers scored 17 points on their next three drives. <clears throat> and this is where the momentum shift and the life started to breathe in. And then 
the line started to play tight. So a lot of um, the discussions about, well, the Lions wanted their coach to stay who they are, and that's true, but, boy, they certainly began to come apart at the seams once that momentum shift took around. I give a lot of credit to San Francisco. They were getting it done, but the Lions couldn't. The offense started to click, and they suddenly took a 27-24 lead. The Lions had no problem moving the ball down the field, getting the scoring range. After a seven-yard reception by Amara St. Brown on third and ten, Campbell facing a, a decision to kick in a 47-yard field goal or try to convert on fourth and chart. If Campbell opted to pass on a 45-yard field goal earlier, you know, he wasn't going to go with a 47-yarder in this situation. He's going to be who, who he was. Now, certainly – Hindsight being what it is, if he's able to kick two field goals there, it's a completely different game, and who knows what would have happened. Um, it's a tough spot, but it is completely understandable, and I might have done the same thing there. Uh, he trusts his offense. He averaged six yards per play against one of the uh, a pretty good defense that just did not play well. The Lions had their way with the Niners defense. Uh, the play call wasn't the mistake there. I, I hear people criticizing the play call. They ran a shallow cross to Jamison Williams, but it wasn't open. Goff scrambled around and was unable to find an open receiver. The Lions turned the ball over on downs, and the 49ers scored on a touchdown seven plays later to take a 34-24 lead. Would kicking a field goal here slow down the offensive momentum? It's possible. But the Niners moved the ball down the field effortly on the three previous drives, and they looked like they felt like they needed to win this with their offense. So I do think those are some of the issues. On third and goal from the San Francisco one, uh, with 105 left in the fourth quarter, this was the biggest problem is running the football there when you've got to preserve your time. If you could have had 40 seconds, 45 seconds, uh, with three timeouts to get the ball back. If you can make a stop, it's the only chance you had at that point. Um, look, I think running the football is what they needed to do in in more instances in the second half. But you can't run the football at that spot. You just you the time is so precious you can't do that. You gotta complete the ball through the air. Um, those are some issues. Look, here's what it comes down to. Um, the Lions had a great season. They played well. I thought they had an immaculate game plan. I thought they outcoached the Niners in the first half. I thought they got them out of sorts. I thought they they just schooled their defense. I thought they ran the football. They became, you know, the dominant physical team. But in the second half, where you would have thought, and San Francisco made really good defensive adjustments against the run, that should not have affected the Lions' commitment to the run. I thought the Lions lost their physical and mental toughness in the second half. And while the play calls, the aggressive play calls, would indicate that they were aggressive, their play at the line of scrimmage just wasn't the same. They were not blocking it up front and not staying committed to the run as well as they needed to. Look, that's to me, was the difference in the game. Look, it comes down to this. When you are playing a team, in this case, a better team than the Niners, and you've got them on the ropes, you got to finish. 
You got to finish in the first half. You got to finish every drive. This game was so close to being put out of reach for San Francisco. There is no comeback for San Francisco if the Lions don't take care of it, if the Lions take care of business and put them away. A couple of spots. The fumble. Uh, they had him pinned back um, <clears throat> inside the five. Actually, inside the two. Uh, mistaken, not down on the ball. Comes out to the 20. There's a lot of things, as it always is the case, that when you've got that lead, you contribute to a team coming back. They can't come back on you if you don't contribute to some of those mistakes. But it's not all coaching mistakes. In fact, in some cases, it's very few coaching mistakes. It's more about um, you know, um, execution mistakes. Which, listen, it falls on the coach to make sure that everything is handled, make sure that everything is um, fixed and handled in a proper way that you can execute. But look, it's about making plays. And if you look at what usually separates a team at this stage, it's about the ability to make plays at the critical moment. Now, critical moments is every play in the game. But when you are, you get out to a big lead and you put a team in a hole, there are a couple of ways you can finish it, but you got to do it. And if you don't do it, you can't. Look, there's a there's a, another touchdown potentially in the first half. This game could have been on the 30 side in terms of 30 to 7, 31 7, 34 7 even. Um, it, it was there for them. They played nearly perfect. You sometimes have to play even better. You almost have to finish it. Or if you're going to be aggressive, like go for it, which that's what their DNA is, you got to make it. You got to run the right route. You got to catch the football. You just, you got to get it done. If you're going to do it, it's about executing it, getting it done. And then if you can't get it done yet, your defense has to stop them. Look, I admit I would have kicked the field goal to go up 17. But I'm gonna play a I'm gonna play better defense than the Lions are capable of doing it. I don't think the Lions felt like that, you know, they felt like they could defend the run well enough, but that they couldn't defend the pass well enough. And look, I, I'm gonna say it when you uh, got your foot on the neck of an opponent and you kind of let up, it gives them life and you never know what could come back and get you. Now, let's give credit to the Niners in the way they were able to get things and get off the mat in the second half. The way they were able to play, the way they were able to come back, and the way they were able to execute, uh, this is part of where the momentum shift took place. And you could see it. Look, there's an interception that goes right off the face mask. And Brandon Ayuk is a remarkable catch. It's when you could start to see that was the big play that got them led to that touchdown to close it to within seven. Then there's the fumble. It just all started to come. You can't have that. All the decisions could have been the same as been made. You make an interception. You don't fumble. You're up by seven. They close it to seven. And you go on a drive and you go use clock and you kick a field goal or score a touchdown. 
and you probably still win the game. It's about play execution, folks. And when it mattered the most in a game of Lions executed in the first half and the Niners didn't, and they imposed their will on the Niners, the second half was about the Niners making plays. You've got to finish, and they weren't able to finish. Great job by the Niners in the second half. Um, Now let's get into the first game of the day. This was a lot easier to um, evaluate. Nothing real controversial, nothing real questionable. Steve Spagnuolo, a complete shutout. I was shocked, surprised by Baltimore's game plan. I thought they were too cute on offense. What do the Ravens do well? They run the football. They run it with their backs. The quarterback run is just inserted whenever needed, and even in an improvisational sense. It's the running game. Um, They ran the football to their back six times. It's like they were out to prove a point that Lamar Jackson could win it differently and that, you know, it's a a great play called where this great design. They fooled themselves. They tricked themselves. Steve Spagnuolo played small. He played athletic. He came after him. I mean, Lamar Jackson's dropping back deep in the pocket. There's no quick pass game. All the things that, quite frankly, they adjusted well to against the Texans, it completely ignored in this game. Spagnuolo got in their face. This is a really good defensive effort, but it was a completely masterful job by Spagnuolo and a completely poor job by Todd Munkin. Um Ability to get the most out of their defense when it counts. He's been as good as anybody putting defensive game plans together in playoffs or Super Bowls as anybody. The Ravens put up 10 points against this defense. The only touchdown came in the first quarter. A broken play where Jackson found Zay Flowers. Um, Broken plays like the Flowers touchdown were about the only thing the offense did the entire game. A couple of scrambles here or there as well as a deep shot to Flowers late in the third, made for most of the other moments. Now, the Ravens didn't help themselves either. Game plan was awful, so they had to overcome that. Say Flowers, a couple of critical mistakes. After getting the big touchdown, the unsportsmanlike penalty. Uh, The fumble late, it's why you don't dive into the end zone unless it's the only thing you can do at the end of the half or the end of the game. If he would have secured the football and run through it, I think he could have had a better chance of getting in. Um, This is difficult. It puts the ball in harm's way, and if it fumbles, you know the result. That's why you coach it and teach it that way. On a down-to-down basis, Jackson never looked comfortable after that touchdown. He overthrew every ball, it seemed. Uh, He was rattled. He didn't make good decisions. Listen, Lamar Jackson – has progressed as a passer because they focus on the run game. They force numbers in the box. They create favorable coverage matchups by people overplaying the run. And it's a lot of spacing in which he can make plays. But when he's trying to throw sideline routes, um, 
and it's got to be timing and touch related, that's not his strength. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He's a different type of quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Just because Mahomes can run and Lamar can run, Lamar can run better. But he's not the passer. He's not the anticipator. And he's not the drop the ball into unusual spots from tremendous arm angles that Mahomes is. That's okay. But you have to know that as a coach and you have to utilize that. They didn't run the football enough. They didn't stay committed enough. Their defense kept them in the game. The defense, while not perfect, and I thought a great offensive game plan by Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, I thought they got the better of Mike McDonald to some degree, but I didn't think they got into the grill of the Chiefs receivers nearly enough. But their defense gave them a chance. It was the offense that let them down. The pass rush of the Chiefs limited what Jackson can do. So much of the Chiefs' success on defense balled down to the pass rush, making the most of its opportunities. The Chiefs' defensive backs were plastered all over the Ravens' receivers all game. There was no guys open. And that's where, again, you've got to run run the football and run the Chiefs out of those looks. In turn, Jackson was stuck in the pocket late in the down on play after play. The Chiefs got home about as much as they usually do, 37%. Look, they had like 80% dropbacks. You don't do that if you're got Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. They're in deep drop. That is not what he does well. A couple of those sacks were simple four-man rushes. The secondary did its job. Pass rusher was great. Uh, the strip sack, um, Omiano. Carlophilus. They were winning one-on-one battles. Okay. Um, now, they, they the Chiefs picked the Ravens' protections apart. They were poking and prodding at them all game long. They sent at least five rushers on 45, 44% of the of, of plays. The highest mark for any Chiefs game over the past two seasons. Not all of them got home, but when they did, it was devastating. Big, game-changing plays. They attacked Baltimore's running backs in particular. Regularly sent enough men or gamed up a blitz in a way that forced the Ravens running back to account for someone. Again, no quick game, no run game to counter this. They had a game plan going in, and they had no willingness or ability or preparation to adjust to it. Um, Look, I thought Justin Reed's third quarter sack was the best example. Before the snap, the Chiefs had four defenders line up in front, of the center to his right. The Ravens only had three offensive linemen, obviously, and no tight end of that side. Baltimore's bigs account for Kansas City's bigs, leaving Reed's blitzing through the B-gap straight at the running back, Justin Hill. Um, for the ninth time of the game, Hill whiffed and let Reed have a free run at Jackson. They had a play earlier in that drive that created a similar blitz concept using Drew Tranquil through the B-gap instead of Reed. They brought blitz pressure to augment their base four- and five-man pressures. And, you know, what they did was keep the backs in protection consistently. Not only did that eliminate the checkdown option, but it created winning pass rush matchups. So you couldn't run the checkdowns because they were constantly blocking, and, and that was a problem, which is why you've got to have some design quick games and you've got to run the football at it. And if... If you can't run the football, 
then you're losing with your strength against their strength. The Ravens contributed to their own demise. Um, they never ran the football. They handed the ball off eight times. A couple of design runs for Jackson bumped that number up a little. But a dozen or so rushing attempts for arguably the best rushing team in football? I, I would call this a bad plan of attack. That's an insult to bad plans. But especially against Steve Spagnuolo. His entire career has been defined by knowing how to get out to the quarterback, change the coverage picture, and he did it. Being headstrong about running the football could have kept the Ravens in a more favorable down in distances. Okay, it, it and this is what I think people miss oftentimes. If you get into third and short, then they can't tee off on you. And so now you can have success throwing it or running it. Running the ball and remaining patient could have avoided what Spags was able to do. So give credit to Spags, but let's call it what it is. Todd Munkin just played right into that. You've got, it wasn't like they were down, you know, 28 to 3. I mean, the game was never out of hand score-wise. The game was out of hand coaching-wise. You know, but they never went a position until the very, very end, of course, where they had to abandon the run game. And if you let Steve Spagnuolo play his game, that's what he does. He usually finds ways to mess it up for you. And there's nobody who manipulates protections and terrorizes quarterbacks the way Spags does. And that's what makes this Chiefs team so good, so difficult. You've got the best play caller on offense and the best play caller on defense and some talented players. And that was the difference. So I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs won it. I just thought the Ravens were the more complete team all year long. I never dreamed that I would see that game plan from Baltimore's offense. A big L to Todd Munkin. I'm a, it's a team game. I don't believe those of you that listen, call them out coaches, and I just said it when we're talking about the NFC game, that it gets overblown too much. This is a case where it's the game plan. And it's the subtle things. People focus on, well, that play call. Oh, that that's just that's the only thing they could point to because it's the obvious things. It's the intricate things like inability to run the football, stay committed to the run, to get into third and shorts so that Spagnolo can't tee off and change all the different looks on you. It's what ultimately decided. Uh, we're going to have plenty of time, two weeks, to break down this game, but Initial thoughts are, uh, you know, you'd be a fool to bet against Kansas City because of what I just mentioned. The quarterback, big advantage, and, and Brock Purdy was great uh, and has been great down the stretch in the last two playoff games. Um, San Francisco's again got more talent, but boy, were their defense vulnerable against Detroit? Kansas City, with a game plan, two weeks to prepare for Andy Reid, with Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, look out, San Francisco defense. And then look out, San Francisco's offense, which is really, really good, um, and see what Spagnuolo's going to do against you. So, look, that's my initial thoughts on it. We'll break it down and get into more detail as as the uh, this week and next week comes into play. Uh, that's my thoughts on 
the conference championship games. A reminder, though, you can get more breakdowns on these games and everything NFL, college football at LandryFootball.com. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, as always, a reminder to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, uh, a reminder to uh, take advantage of the holiday savings special over at LandryFootball.com as um, it's the best deal that we've got going. We've extended it um, through the Super Bowl. So it gives you an opportunity to get the best deal that we've got, a 12-month package, scouting season, breaking down everything to do, free agency, the draft, recruiting, uh, transfer portal, you name it, we got it covered for you at LandryFootball.com. Check it out today, LandryFootball.com. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. From a playing, coaching, scouting, and front office perspective, appreciate you joining us. Talk to you again next time, everybody.